virginity here. <laughs> it's a gra- groundbreaking, groundbreaking episode of my show here. Yeah. It's the first one that has video, cool. so I'm very happy. Um, I was actually supposed to do it for the last one, mm-hmm. but um, I messed up. So I was rec- I started recording on the camera and then I minimized it because I didn't want to see my face on my computer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I minimized it, the video stopped. So I got uh, about a solid ten seconds worth of video in. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> uh, the reason I actually chose you to be the uh, next guest on the show is because of the last two people I had. Mm-hmm. So the last two people I had, one was the president of MSA, oh, former president of MSA, and the the second was the president of USG. Both of them come okay. from. Um, Muslim families, mm-hmm. uh, immigrant families, mm-hmm. and um, from the conversations that I've had with them, they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum here, yeah. in terms of you know not not completely different, but like no, no, I from, get it. from from <laughs> from what I know, like you know they're you know again I don't know 100 percent, and I'm yeah. not trying to generalize completely, no, it's but they're fine. relatively liberal uh, individuals, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so one of what I wanted to show was that you know the conversations I had with them kind of were focusing on uh, the Muslim community and mm-hmm. like you know diversity and how you know, uh, the last person I on, his, he actually has a podcast called What Muslims Look Like. Yeah, and, no, I saw the yeah, page. It's and cool and page. the idea of the podcast is that there's no one particular, <clears throat> you know, uh, appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, it varies and it spans demographics. Yeah. And I think you're one of the perfect examples of that, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to have you on. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, I already know this, actually, just, you know, bridge article, I just told you that, mm-hmm. is um, I, I want you to kind of go into your background, like mm-hmm. your family background, um, how they got here, you know where you're from mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Brentwood yeah yeah and then you know just kind of your upbringing <clears throat> a little okay so you can <laughs> yeah um well my name is Fouad Farouk um in terms of like my background uh my family they're my mom and dad are both from Bangladesh mm-hmm. um my dad came here in the late 80s uh around 1993 ish that's when my mom came Okay. Um, they married in Bangladesh. My dad came in, uh, came to America first, mm-hmm. and then so like, like he would go back and forth from America to Bangladesh, and then eventually he met he met my mom, and then he brought her to America too. Did he, he came in the eighties? That's pretty early. Yeah, like late late eighties, like eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, compared to because my dad came in the uh, nineteen seventy, and I know like from what I know. That's the earliest Bengali person that I know. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, Cause, the Bengali community was, like, almost non-existent. Yeah, so that's pretty early. Compared to a lot of the other people I've also talked to, yeah. uh, they came, like, I'd say, like, <clears throat> mid to late 90s is when, mm-hmm. like, a large influx of Bengali people started coming into the U.S. Yeah, yeah. My dad told me about, like, the struggle. Like, there were almost no Bengalis, yeah. like, no sort of, like, food, culture, like, finding someone you else. You were alone. Speak. Exactly. Kind of alone, yeah. So yeah. you came in the 80s, and then, uh, so when, when did you get married to your mom? Uh, 93. Okay, so she and then, came like, in soon after she came mm-hmm. to America. Okay, and then did they set up originally in Brentwood, or did they live somewhere else? No, so I was born in '96. I was born in Queens, okay. Elmhurst. Oh, okay, you're really close to where I was. I was in uh, <laughs> Richmond Hill. Cool. And uh, my uh, my ex girlfriend actually lived in uh, Elmhurst. I used to go there all the time. Nice. A lot of. It's lot like of... right by Jackson Heights too. Yeah, it is. It is. The thing is, it, it's really cool because there's a fine line where it goes from all like Asian in terms of you know yeah. Chinese, Vietnamese. Um, yeah, yeah, Korean, Korean, yeah. and then it goes straight to just like Bengali people and Indian people, and that's it. And yeah. it's like there's a very fine line. I forgot which street it was, but it was like you know where the train tracks are. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like right across the train track. That's where it, the you, you, it's a different territory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we lived there for I don't know how long my parents lived there I, off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. um, close to ten years, so like a little over. But around 2002, when I was. Uh, Six years old. That's when we moved mm-hmm. to Brentwood in Long Island. Okay, so they wanted like a nice house, you know, away well, from a little like the the kind of congestion, hustle and bustle. Or, exactly. They wanted yeah. a, like my dad. He worked in Hicksville already, so it was in Long Island, and okay. they wanted to move a, a little bit away from like yeah, like the hustle bustle, like the mm-hmm. congestion. They want like more open area. Yeah, that's what, I mean, my family did exactly that. Uh, I mm-hmm. live out in New Hyde Park now. Oh, cool. It's it's the same thing where it's like you know you come in and the easiest thing to do is live in the city for like yeah. job opportunities, yeah, live yeah. in an apartment, share it with people. Yeah. And then once you, you know you know get the ball rolling, you move out and try to get that house. Yeah. So they moved out to Brentwood. Uh, so you were what you said six. Yeah. Okay. So um, and this is obviously like a central theme of you know you being here is mm-hmm. political affiliations, which yeah. I, I personally hate. You know, no, focusing fine. on that, but <laughs> for you in particular, that's a, kind of the, the I mean, theme here. So, yeah. given that they're they're immigrants, uh, yeah. given coming from a Muslim background, yeah. I'm assuming they have like a quote unquote democratic viewpoint. That's actually not the case. Interestingly, oh, okay. okay, cool. Yeah, interestingly, if you talk to most uh, Muslim Americans, like 
before 9-11, before, mm-hmm. like, 2001, mm-hmm. most of them were Republican, very actively Republican. Like, 80%, 70 to 80% of Muslims voted for Bush Jr., like, in 2000. Hmm. And, like, Reagan had, like, a lot of Muslim support, so did Bush Sr. He had, like, a good amount of Muslim support. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that, statistically speaking, See, that, that, that was that was true. It, I mean, I mean it's, that like, can... it's amazing. Like, the demographics have radically changed since then, mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah. So that... what do you think the demographic shift has been since then till now? Strongly, so, stro- strongly democratic. So because of post-9-11? Yes. Okay. Okay, okay. Because, I mean, for me, <clears> and um, I talked about this with uh, a couple of the last guests, is that yeah. I've never had strong political affiliations because mm-hmm. my family, though they they kind of associate with the Democratic side, mm-hmm. um, the liberal side, they aren't, you know, educated or really affiliated, politically speaking. Okay. Um, they spent their entire lives kind of just working mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, make it, and that, that was yeah. their own goal. Like, they didn't really have the time mm-hmm. to to have the privilege to think about those things, in my opinion. Okay. Um, that's why, for me, personally, it's like I never really had strong opinions one way or the other. I kind of okay. was always neutral. And um, Jeff actually is the reason I changed a little bit over time. Like, I'd say because of my parents, I, I used to identify more, again, like a little bit on the liberal mm-hmm. democratic side, not even knowing what the terms meant, really. Yeah. But then talking to Jeff and really getting, you know, <clears throat> more knowledge, I, I'd say, I'd t- t- you know, for, you know, kind of like a vague use of the term, a little bit more conservative mm-hmm. um, since uh, my beginning of uh, college. Okay. Not so your family was originally... Republican and or yeah, so like, if you talk to anything like Bangladeshi or Bengali, like essentially like, you'll know like politics is in like, their hearts. Like, yeah, go to is. any like, <laughs> go to any living room at like a potluck. It's like all the uncles are talking about like yeah. politics left and right. So, my dad was like like he loved politics, like especially mm-hmm. like, Bengali politics. And when he moved to America, mm-hmm. like he saw that he identified more with like, like the Republican Party and like conservative ideals. Uh, my mom never really affiliated. She was more liberal, um, but, like, she was never really strongly, like, political. One way or the other. She was more, like, the neutral kind of standpoint. Exactly. Like, okay. She was never really into it. Like, even if she did have, like, like you know, viewpoints, she mm-hmm. was never really... She never really got involved. Maybe a little bit more busy with, like, uh, keeping the family going and all that stuff, yeah. right? Plus, like, politics, she just she just said, like, she doesn't like the arguments and, the, <laughs> and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I mean, that's a good standpoint, too, in a, yeah. in a lot of ways. So how early on did you think that kind of that affected your viewpoints and caring and i know mm-hmm. this actually came up in the article which uh, i'll i'm going to link in the description so people can read that okay. is that I, yeah. th- I know a big factor of uh what impacted your you know uh care yeah. uh for politics is the uh the existence of gang violence in yeah. the area right so i kind of don't want to go into that it's like how early on did that kind of present itself in your life mm-hmm. so i mean like the gang violence in the area I grew up in in Brentwood was always like a very prevalent thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really exposed to it or like knowledgeable. Like I didn't really know what that was until middle school, and that's when like uh, the MS13 like really started growing. Like a- according to like a timeline, like if you look at Brentwood as a timeline, between like 1990 and like 1990 like eight, that's when there was like a very huge like spike in like gang violence. That died down up until like 2010 ish. I think recently it's been going up again. It's been going up and up again. So, I think very recently yeah. there was a couple of uh, arrests actually in in the Long Island area. Mm-hmm. I think in the Suffolk County area for uh, MS13 uh, yep. gang members. Yeah. So there's been a real big push from like the police, especially to like arrest them. But yeah, growing up like right when I got into middle school, that's when like more workshops started setting up because like people like even kids like as young as like you know middle school and high school mm-hmm. they were like starting to wear gang colors and like the school started noticing like okay. the rise in gang activity more drugs were being sold how, how large was your uh, like middle that. school when you went to middle school middle school oh, that's a good question i'm not really I, I, I can't i can't really say <laughs> i mean that was a long time ago though. yeah it's understandable i but can tell you high school populations i mean i, I understand i mean my uh, middle school wasn't in the best area either and mm-hmm. i remember gang violence being a big part of it but yeah. uh, my parents were very good at keeping me away and there was a distinction and mm-hmm. not to two mile horror but like I was in the ace class which was yeah. like uh, very obviously demographics of immigrant students yeah um, those who were kind of like you know their parents made sure to push them in the right direction so I was never kind of um, open to the environment of gang violence or anything like that and yeah. I, even even though it was happening in my school yeah yeah um, but yeah I understand where you're almost the same from. thing could be said about like my school too like mm-hmm. if you're like in the AP classes and like the honors classes like you were I guess it's not that you less didn't exposed. Go, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the best word. That's yeah. what I was looking for. It's just that you didn't have the 
you know, for lack of words, opportunity to talk to the people who yeah. are doing those things. Um, so, I mean, middle <clears throat> school is pretty early. I thought you started thinking about, you know, politics at, at middle school. But yeah. Politics started becoming, like, more prevalent for me, like, mm-hmm. when I started becoming more involved, like, during the 2012 election. Okay. That would be when I was in uh, 10th grade, actually. So, early like, high school. Yeah, like, 9th grade... It, like the election stuff was coming out like oh you know this guy called like uh, Obama's running um, Obama's running again mm-hmm. Mitt Romney's running yada 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 this is the first time you're like conscious of political yeah. beings or happenings exactly okay and then like originally because of like the area I grew up in there were a lot of viewpoints I had that were I guess you could say like misrepresented like a lot of like like just to be blunt like a lot of people started saying like oh because of like the white man like that's why our town is poor. That's why we're being mm-hmm. held down and stuff like that. Like, that's why there's gang violence. That doesn't... It, it doesn't really make sense. sense yeah. But, like, <laughs> according to them, like, economic opportunity, like, in, like, the long way, like, because of white privilege and economic opportunities in other towns, that takes away from the economic opportunity in our town. Okay. That's a, that's a weird... Yeah. assumption to have made in terms of yeah. I, I understand what you're trying to say but like also like the whole white privilege thing because i have like a darker skin tone like mm-hmm. the opportunities like presented to me are less yeah yeah are lessened so i guess that sort of viewpoint was what did like, you ever feel that way when you're in long island because actually when i was talking yeah. to uh you did okay no 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 oh sorry no <laughs> uh, what were you saying um when i was talking to ayan he he uh, lived in levittown yeah um which we went a little bit into the history of it levittown was uh, predominantly a world war ii veteran yes. uh station where people were coming back from the war they would be yep. living there um which uh, he, he was talking about there was institutionalized racism because of the fact that there were so many you know people of that origin staying yeah. there um so I'm wondering if, you know, living in Brentwood, have you experienced that form of, of uh, racism? Interestingly, I experienced, this is what, politi- like, moved me more, like, like made me more politically conscious and moved me more conservative, mm-hmm. like, to the Republican conservative view. Um, I started watching, like, the Republican debates more, and I saw, like, there was this one guy who really stood out, who really had, like, a good amount of, like, traction... Uh, Ron Paul, he was getting like mm-hmm. a lot of traction, especially from younger people, and like yeah. a lot of his messages, you know, really rang true to me. Like original, like you know, original conservatism, like Reagan conservatism, like mm-hmm. stop the endless wars, have like a balanced budget, and like you know, so more on the the fiscal side, mm-hmm. yeah, and then and like think... the social side too. Like if I have like, um, like there are some things like morally that should be stood up for to keep society, I guess, like, moral. And, like, that's where the religious part of my, like, like, upbringing comes from. Like, upbringing-wise, like, I grew up in a Muslim household. So, like, being, like, modest and moral in, like, what you do in, like, your everyday life. It's a crucial part of our our upbringing. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. So, I mean, that's, that's a big part that Jeff really pointed out to me was that um, I think a big part of what causes issues with mm-hmm. the whole Democratic versus Republican debate is yeah. the fact that as soon as you pick one or the other, mm-hmm. and I talked to him in, in the conversation I had with him, yeah. is that you bundle everything to that side. Yes. You assume that when you're, you know, a Democrat or a Republican, you c- it comes with the whole package. Yeah. You know, if you're in your Democrat side, you're out of, out of the, out of the bat, like, you know, off the bat, not out of the bat, no, off okay. the bat, <laughs> off the bat. You're, you know, going to be liberal. You're going to yeah. stand for these, you know, these social standpoints yeah. and this fiscal policy. Yeah. Like, I don't agree with that. I think it needs to be a more liquid system where, mm-hmm. you know, you're picking and choosing because that's how it should be. It, yeah. You know? And I think that's a big problem because people nowadays, it's, it, it's, and this goes back to, I always talk about Jordan Pearson thing because he, he's so, you know, there's yeah. so many truths to what he says. Is it's He's this, growing. <laughs> yeah. Exponentially. Yeah. But I love him. I, he, he's so smart. It's crazy. He puts yeah. like big things into uh, just like you know, understandable little quotes. Yeah. But uh, he talks about the archetypes of hero and villain. Yes. And that always comes back to me where it's like there's always sides now, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes away from a true understanding of what's going on in any system. Yeah. Right. But like in terms of institutionalized racism, like I face the opposite because I was one of the only, you know, I would be because I'm South Asian, I'd be categorized mm-hmm. as Asian. Right. Because I was Asian, living in a predominantly Hispanic town, when it came time for, like, our, our school didn't really have, like, a lot of funding. Like, every time, like, budget stuff came up, like, AP classes would get cut for more ESL classes. Or okay. or additional buses because the schools were just too jam-packed with kids and we needed more buses and stuff like that. 
um, when it came time for like summer programs or extracurricular programs, mm-hmm. despite the town having like a, a percentage like seventy percent Hispanic, like fifteen percent black, like twelve percent white, and then like two percent Asian. If you were Asian or white, you were not allowed to apply for a lot of these programs unless you were... You discriminated against. Exactly. Okay. I was like the minority within yeah, the minority. Yeah. No, that's actually a pretty big problem for the Asian community now. Yeah. And I've experienced this on my own is uh, when we apply, yeah. we as in like any Asian, it's yeah. actually more difficult for us in the application process for any jobs or schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, affirmative action works against us. Yeah. We're the which model is, minority. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks. That I, didn't, I didn't know this until... I'd say my senior year being here mm-hmm. is that when I was putting Asian on all my applications for jobs or internships, it hurts. It hurts. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm putting yeah. myself in another pool of people that are better off generally speaking in terms of like their qualifications. Yeah. And now I've made it more difficult for myself to get a position. Yeah. Yeah. So now on all my applications, I just put, you know, nothing. <laughs> I'm just, I decline to sell my them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can tell from your name, but like it, it helps when they're, categorizing like, you know, the demographic, yeah. like internal demographics yeah. of whatever company. Or I mean, the initial, uh, kind of bringing in of a resume is always algorithm based. So yeah. So just first step at least. I'll get, I'll get a little bit further now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a huge problem. I mean, I mean, back in like senior year when I was applying to college, like that was a big thing too. Like there were students that had like seventeen hundreds and sixteen hundreds in where I was. Uh, I grew up in the same exact you know area as them. Mm-hmm. Had the same opportunities as them, but despite them having like a three hundred, four hundred point difference getting in the, the SATs schools. they would get into like yeah. Columbia and Cornell and stuff right, like right. that I mean I love the school I go to but like in terms of like you know rankings and stuff like that like some like they I mean, it, that on top it's it's a difficult system to kind of quantify because <clears throat> yeah. I had the same issue when it came to uh, EOP yeah. equal opportunity program mm-hmm. uh, my parents aren't at the time they weren't from the best financial standpoint mm-hmm but uh, I didn't get into the EOP program because of my education capability. Like, my SAT score is apparently too high. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like that's something that's, that's like, scary. That's, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I needed that at the time. And, you know, my parents have been kind of struggling to get me through college is that that would have helped. That would have gotten me so much further. And maybe I would have gotten to schools that I wasn't able to. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't get in because, you know, I was too qualified, yeah. which is... I understand EOP being financial-based. Like, that would make 100% sense. Yeah. I don't understand why then it lo- says, like, oh, if you have an SAT above, like, you know, 1,800 or yeah, something, you can't you apply. Yeah, and you can get in. So I, I had, like, I think I had a 20-something with my super score. Yeah. And all the schools that I applied for the EOP programs, they said, you, you're too you're too good. Like, you can't get in. And I was like, but I need the help. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird thing. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know how you find... Uh, a system that can accommodate for you know mm-hmm. the span of demographics, which yeah. is it's difficult. I mean, personally, I I say take race out of it and look at it from not just economic standpoint, but geo, but like your geological location, because mm-hmm. like a hundred thousand dollars on Long Island goes much less than a hundred thousand dollars upstate. Right, hundred percent true. Yeah, like the average, like Brentwood is considered to be like a very low class, low income town. The average income is like sixty five thousand, mm-hmm. whereas that would upstate like get you much much farther. Right, know? right. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to get into is uh, actually I don't know this is uh, mm-hmm. your major and okay. uh, what you decided to do in uh, your college career mm-hmm. and whether it was well we'll go into the you know your affiliations with the club. Yeah. But uh, kind of first of all, just your major and like yeah. uh, education wise, like has it been kind of more affiliated with uh, the politics and you know mm-hmm. poli sci and such. Yeah. Because uh, you said you, it was pretty early on that you started getting into this stuff uh, mm-hmm. around 10th grade and all that. Yeah. So uh, major-wise, I'm a biology major specializing in developmental genetics with okay. a minor in political science. Okay, so the minor is like out of passion a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's fun. I like politics. <laughs> if I could double major in it, I could have. If I started like early on, I declared it like, like... Just later on down the line. Yeah, yeah. later down the line. Then um, Bengali uncles would be proud of you. No, they would not. <laughs> okay, no, okay. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. But the politics part, you know, they, I mean, they they, like they'd that. be happy I'm talking to them about it, not that, like, I declared it as a major. Yeah, okay, yeah. They always yeah. want, you know, That's the young, young doctor engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I came in on the pre-med track. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I, I hope I still am, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always hard. Like, you, you take your MCAT, you don't know what's happening. Have you taken your MCAT yet? Uh, I've taken my MCAT. Okay. So, I'm taking a gap year right after I graduate mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm a senior now last semester right. and um that's it's scary yeah it's, I'm at the same point it's spooky man <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but um 
even though I'm a biology major, I mean, of course I took all, like, the biology classes, like, 203 and stuff like that, like, the difficult ones, but I always tried to take, like, at least one poli-sci class a semester because I just liked politics a lot, and the way I see it is politics isn't, like, it isn't just, like, with national level stuff it's always politics is everywhere right even even in a hospital politics is there yeah yeah and that's another thing that really really stood out to me uh when i started talking to jeff here in college yeah is that he started talking about localized government yeah um just things in your you know your district your municipality whatever Mm -hmm. it may be yeah and i realized like i take no part in any of that in my Mm -hmm. and again it comes from the fact that my family never took part in any of that yeah, but like, being it, on the, like, joining the PTA meetings, like, actually has, yeah, like, a yeah. really big impact. And it's, like that. it's crucial to, you know, to get your voice heard. <clears throat> actually, this is something that me and Ayan talked about, was that now uh, in the Bengali community, in the Muslim yeah. community, there are more people that are taking roles in, yep. you know, uh, positions uh, where they're representing their community. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's crucial because how are you going to be heard? How is what you want to happen going to happen if yeah. no one's representing it? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's very important. I think that actually in your question with institutionalized racism, that actually comes into a part because in the past, like, I mean, if you look at it black and white, America did have like a, you know, racist background back Mm -hmm. when minority groups were excluded or, you know, not included in various things. So various like South Asian groups like, you know, Bengalis and Indians and Pakistanis, when they came to America, uh, going into business or politics was much more difficult, you know, right. because they could be discriminated against. It, mm-hmm. it, it depends on who's in power at that point. But in terms of, like, STEM fields, like, if you're a doctor and engineer, it doesn't matter, like, what your skin color is. At that point, it's just how well more of a doctor you are. How, exactly. Yeah. But now, like, as, like, we have second, third generation, like, South Asians and, like, I guess, to me, I, I don't see that institutionalized racism uh, affecting society as it, you know, once upon a time did people are getting more and more involved in politics mm-hmm. and they're seeing like i guess like the effects of it so yeah i think i think right now you know people people say that there's still you know lots of racism i mean it's true there is mm-hmm. but i think right now in, in america's history it's one of the most equal opportunity times that there is that there's ever been yeah i think everyone 100 agree i mean i think history has affected how much say people can have right now mm-hmm. but i think if you really wanted to you can have a say I think if you really wanted yeah. to, you know, represent a community, if you really wanted some change to happen, yeah. you can make it happen. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, most, like, I, if you look at the Asian population, that's like, if you go to New York City, like, that's like a perfect example. You can see, like, various Chinese, Korean, Indian, Americans who have, who come in with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, come in with, like, like, a dollar to their name. They set up, like, they work day and night as taxi drivers, laundromat, like, right. owners and stuff like that. They bust their ass and they put their kids like to like a specialized high school like get them tutoring and stuff like that they focus on like education so much that eventually you know their child succeeds Mm -hmm. you always want your son to do better than what you did so that's exactly like what they did i mean that's literally you just summarized my my family right there is my parents did the same thing i mean they 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 worked their their asses off they made sure that i got into specialized high school Mm -hmm. i went to queen's high school for sciences and because of that i was able to get into stony brook and you know now i have the privilege to care about these types of matters. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think people really don't take this into account is that making decisions like that, it is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, you know, immigrants just don't have the time to, you know, take that into consideration. I don't know. I I wouldn't agree with that sentiment, like, because I feel that if, because politics is, like, all around us and, like, anything you do does have politics in it, Mm -hmm. I think, like, if you wanted to, you could get involved. Of course, like, okay. yeah, I agree if that. you wanted to spend your time getting involved in local politics, like, that's much harder to do. Mm-hmm. But I guess having, like, an opinion and voice could be, like, much... It's much more, I guess, easy to do. Okay. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, watching yeah, TV yeah. and stuff like that. That's true. That's true. Getting involved is 100% much more difficult than that. I understand if you're working, like, 9 to 9 mm-hmm. every day. Like, that's... that's you're not going to have the damn time. Near impossible. You're not the time yeah. or the energy. Exactly. Right. Okay. So the next thing I want to get into is um, <clears throat> because of your background, yeah. you know, being, and we talked a little bit about this, we talked about racism and all that, yeah. you know, being from a Bengali Muslim background, yeah. but then being on more of the Republican side, do you mm-hmm. think in the Republican community yeah. that you were ever discriminated against or felt, you know, out of place mm-hmm. or you ever felt a, a sense of like animosity in any, mm-hmm. in any sense? Well, that's also like a double-edged sword. Like I've felt animosity, to be honest, on both sides. Okay. So... On the Republic, like I'll discuss the Republican side mm-hmm. because you addressed that first. So on the Republican side, there are like 
and any party has like you know that are extremists but like right. there are people like on the republican side that say like you know muslims don't belong in america like mm-hmm. they, they don't follow the constitution and some other conspiracy theories that we're some sort of hive mind mm-hmm. which is <laughs> yeah like like oh you know little little hamza like in california believes the same thing i do like right like, that's that's not the case some people yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah there has been like some animosity i faced um because of like my background but like I never let someone else's like bigotry or misunderstanding affect my views because mm-hmm. my views are my views, and if someone else doesn't like that, like they, if they don't like that, I don't care. Like right. they can they can simmer in their own pot. I don't right, really right. care. Okay, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> good independent thought. I think more people need to have that. Yeah, uh, a lot of people like going with the the, <clears throat> the sheep quo, mentality, the sheep mentality <laughs> of let me just you know this this makes sense. Maybe my friends are doing this. These yeah. people are doing this. I associate with them. Yeah. I might as well just you know follow this path. Yeah. Um. So you said you also felt it from the other side too. Yeah. So once I w- became more vocal with my politics, like I, I you know stand for more re- Republican conservative ideals, like I've been called Uncle Tom like so many times. It's it's annoying. <laughs> like. Um, when, as soon as that article came out about, um, my support for, like, Trump's, like, border wall and, like, when I mm-hmm. helped, uh, him come to Brentwood, I didn't help him come to Brentwood when I helped the volunteers go to there. Yeah. <laughs> like, when um, you helped, you know, or showed your support yeah. for everything that was going on during the Trump campaign or yeah. whatever was going on at Well, the time. It, it, like, that's actually, like, I'll talk to you about that later, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, um... Yeah, I, I was called an Uncle Tom. I was called, like, a race trader, stuff like that. And, like, that always annoyed me because most people, like, especially younger Muslims, they always assume that if you are a Muslim, you're liberal, but mm-hmm. I'm not. And they assume that because I am not, like, uh, because I'm not liberal, they assume I'm not a true Muslim. They they assume that I'm I not religious. That. That, that's, that is, yeah, that's disgusting to me. I pray five times a day, like... You do? You, know? you do? Yeah, I mean, okay, oh. not always on time, but <laughs> no, but okay. The, the fact that you pray at all, is, yeah. in my opinion, is I high respect to you because I, I don't pray. Okay. Um, no, I, and and so I, my most mom, of my friends don't. Either. Yeah, my mom prays five times a day, and I know how, how crucial. I mean, not crucial. How difficult that that may be at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's changing constantly with sunrise and sunset. And yeah. Five times a day is a lot. I'm not going to lie. Ramadan <laughs> keeps getting worse and worse, man. Like, yeah. It gets it longer. So long. <laughs> so long. I think it was, was it last year? was like 13 hours. It was yeah. Like Mid-July. Like, yeah, oh, my like, gosh. I think it was 5 a.m. to like 8 p.m. Yeah. I was dying. Dude, I was when I was a kid, it was capable. like during December, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was during December, and you'd be done at like five p.m. Like, oh, this isn't bad. Yeah. yeah. My mom told me it's like it's like you should be happy because you kind of like trained your way to this point. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> gonna work your way backwards. But I'm like, I just don't like it at all. My like, mom's at the same. Yeah. Brown mom. Am I right? But yeah, I've gotten that sentiment like even on campus too. Like uh, some of the, like the Muslim students, they don't see me as being one of them. Despite mm-hmm. I, I celebrate the holidays, I pray and stuff. But yeah. I think that's more important is, is again, and we talked about this in the beginning, is, is yeah. the, the moral compass. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, what a person does, you know, it, just leave them be. I don't yeah. understand that idea of just, like, you have to be, and the grouping thing, like, you have yeah. to be one or the other or you can't be any. Yeah. And I think that's just wrong. And uh, I, I, I talked I talk to uh, Ion about this, too, is that mm-hmm. uh, the MSA on campus has mm-hmm. had, uh, not a history, but a kind of, kind of um, there, there is evidence that they are kind of like an enclosed circle, like a closed group type of thing. Yeah. Where it kind of, you know, to outsiders of any, any form, mm-hmm. you just wouldn't you know, want to be a part of it in, in a sense. Like, I, it's like you felt yeah. like you couldn't uh, integrate with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the MSA on campus. Like, they do a lot of work on mm-hmm. campus. They do a lot of volunteering and stuff like that. So, I mean, they're okay, like, in terms of, like, you know, their involvement. But, like, that I've, I've felt that sentiment personally yeah. where... They could be very uh, like not inclusive. <laughs> it's it's skewed, and I, I mean, for me, I felt the same way because for mm-hmm. my freshman and sophomore year, I would try to go. My yeah. mom would yell at me constantly. Mm-hmm. Please go to MSA, like, you know, Friday prayers, do all this stuff. Yeah, and I tried. <clears throat> I, I did, and it's like whenever I went there, uh, yeah, it's not that they they excluded me. It's that they had this own click, it, click of type of thing where yeah. it was like, it, it, and again, this goes to the grouping thing where it's like we follow all of these things. Like this is what it means to be us. Yeah, and like. It, it's not like they said it in any way or form. They, no, you know, no, yeah. On on the top, like they're they want everyone to be there. Yeah. But you feel it as like it's a one group. Uh, you feel the inertia of them like on their own. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but you know. yeah. So 
you felt it from the Democratic side as well. So when you're going to like other clubs and such, yeah, <laughs> like, oh gosh, like yeah, I, I felt it, and it, it's been annoying, but you know, whatever. Like as I said, like let them simmer to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. It's people are people are people. You know what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um. Last thing I actually want to talk about, and this is like. <clears throat> Honestly, like, I covered a lot more topics than I thought a lot faster than I thought I would. Okay. But uh, I wanted to go into your thoughts on uh, Trump-era politics. Okay. And kind of the things that he's been working towards, uh, Mm -hmm. the shifts that he's made and is currently working on. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the article discussed your support for the wall. Yeah. um, uh, Your viewpoint on immigrants Mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of other things that I'm kind of blanking on right now. No, it's fine. (laughs) So I kind of just want to go into uh, all that. Yeah. So, I mean, initially, I personally, like didn't support Trump because of his brashness. Like, to me, it, it might sound, like, you know, bad to some people, but I truly see, like, America as being, like, the one of the biggest and strongest superpowers on the planet. Without a doubt. And yeah. because of that, we should have, like, we should have a moral compass as to who represents us and mm-hmm. who's the dignitary that's supposed to, like, you know, be the face of yeah, America. Yeah, that, that was my biggest issue. It's not yeah. his fiscal policies, not his foreign... Uh, you know, uh, policies in terms of, you know, how we deal with uh, other yeah. countries. It's just the way he deals with other countries, other yeah. people. It, it's <clears> just, it's it's disrespectful. <clears throat> and I think if you're in a position of such, you know, height, of such power... Yeah, you such represent, honor too, you know. Yeah, I mean, and this yeah. goes back to representing people. It's when you're yeah. representing an entire country, yeah. you mean, you need to take into consideration that you, you're representing an entire, an entire population of yeah. peoples. And uh, it's just... Some of the things that he says, it's just like, how is he getting yeah. away with it? It doesn't make sense to me. But let's focus on the, <clears throat> the policies instead. <laughs> so, initially, like, I supported Rand Paul because he had, like, a background I really enjoyed. He had a STEM background. He was a mm-hmm. doctor, you know, an ophthalmologist, you know, eye, doing eye surgery every other month in, like, Peru and stuff like that for free to right. people. So he he's literally curing the blind, like yeah. you know, that's a cheesy joke. But, <laughs> but that is some that is some next level philanthropy right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I really liked like his policy. He had like he wasn't like his father where it was more libertarian. He tried to include some libertarian ideas of like, stay the hell away from my house and like mm-hmm. let me be me. Mm-hmm. But he incorporated like the moral like Republican like moral conservative like outlook on it. Where some parts of government are necessary to keep, like, uh, I guess, a moral society. Right. So I really enjoyed him because he was also very inclusive. Like, his, like the amount of support he had from various groups, like, it was, it was phenomenal. Like, re- he was very well-spoken to. Very well-educated and everything, like the whole nine yards. Uh, he dropped out because he wasn't able to garner the uh, right amount of support. Mm-hmm. That's pretty... Uh, I forgot. I think I was... He dropped out right after Iowa, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, right when um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Ben Carson beat him. Mm-hmm. That was like a signal for him to like get out. Is that his his support was just not strong enough to keep going at that point? Exactly. Right. Okay. Like a lot of media was saying, like, oh, if he can get ten thousand, eleven thousand votes, like his father did during mm-hmm. the you know same time. He would be able to, you know, garnish like four, like twenty-five or something percent to like keep him afloat. He mm-hmm. he get in the top three. Right. He wasn't able to do that. Um, his message just didn't get out as much as it could have. So after he dropped out, I supported um, Ted Cruz. He's he's he, he's a like that's also a very controversial figure in like you know the Muslim community. Right. It was more it was more so because. Um, he was a very, very strong conservative on most of his, like, viewpoints. And I really supported him on his, like, immigration stances and his, like, economic policies. What he had, that Rand Paul had, that no other candidate had, was a, a proposal for a flat tax. Okay. Uh, tax everyone who makes above, I believe, 85000 or $60,000, like, the same 15%. Mm-hmm. And, like, it might have been 17%, but it would, like, it would be fair to everyone and, like, the rich are still paying more, and the middle classes, they're paying less. And if you're making under $60,000, you're paying nothing. Okay. So, and, like, numbers-wise, that, like, made sense. Like, he could, you know, keep the country afloat mm-hmm. without making too much fuss. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and it turns out, like, when it did come time for uh, questions, like, when people questioned him about, like, his views on Muslims and stuff like that, he he knows that like no matter what view he has on like religion he's a very like staunch Christian. Mm-hmm. The religious views that he uh, rights that he fights for for Christians will be reflected 
towards Jews and Muslims too. And like he knows that like back in the day, like a lot of Muslims were very Republican, very conservative right. until like the anti-Muslim backlash. Mm-hmm. So I I supported him. I voted for him during the primary. Okay. But then he dropped out too. Right. <laughs> it's just not working out for you at yeah. this point. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you left. You're, at this point, you're just left with either Trump or Hillary. That's okay. what I was left okay. with. And so you went Trump over crooked Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Gary Johnson, like the Libertarian. Gary Johnson just didn't. He uh, there's a. There's he a, had every opportunity he did. under the sun, and yeah. he threw it away. He was getting too high, like. Oh my gosh! There was literally like there's no one else. Uh, he if he really just you know came out yeah. and really like went out of his way to yeah. have his name put out there. A Republican governor from a blue state with yeah. his running mate as a Republican governor from a blue yeah, state. Yeah. He had. Oh, he, he 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 really blew it. There's yeah. a there's a really funny video. Uh, this guy and he's just yelling. It's like Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson, who the, who the fuck is you? Like, where, where have you been? Like, I've never seen you. And it's like, you know, if you look back or you think back to the, the elections and when it was happening, you never yeah. see anything correlated to... Uh, the libertarian. No, this time, like, the Libertarians had the media coverage they needed, like, they wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, CNN covered the Libertarian convention for, like, the first time ever, I believe. And one of the, like, I think ca- campaign managers for one of the campaigns thought he was too serious, so he stripped down to a thong on stage on live TV. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. Like right there. Like he did that CNN cut and then like he thought the convention was too serious, so he wanted to make it into a joke and that's what the party became, a joke. Oh my god. What the Yeah, hell? Exactly, exactly. That's so weird. why would you Exactly. I feel like the world is becoming a reality TV show. Yeah. It's just getting worse and worse. But Trump had like views that um on immigration and like I guess like solving some of the issues that I mm-hmm. felt that I could correlate with so like the wall like every major country on the planet has some sort of border security and border with like their neighbors so, like why should we not if okay. mexico has a wall on their southern border i feel that we should be allowed to have a border on, on our, our southern side. border too. Okay, but I, so this is so i never i was again i'm always neutral on a lot of these things yeah um when it came to the wall the thing that didn't make sense to me it's mm-hmm. the economic standpoint of it mm-hmm. is that do you think that it was it's economically viable to create a wall of this capacity? Mm-hmm. I personally think so because um, when he kept saying like we're gonna make Mexico pay for it, like Mexico is not gonna walk over and give us twenty yeah, billion dollars yeah. to build the wall, but there is there are ways to make Mexico pay for it. So we we know like in America that money gets wired to very Central American and South uh, South American countries. Mm-hmm. If we uh, threaten to cut that that like source of illegal income that comes from America straight to like El Salvador mm-hmm. and Mexico. Mexico will be very quick to pay for that wall. Right. Uh, same for if we tax if we tax it like right now you can just wire the money for free if we tax it well there you go you're making but revenue to if pay you, for if the you, wall. If you did that then you'd have to tax all other immigrants that are wiring yeah. money across country. Yeah. Because that, I mean that's a big thing in, in any I think immigrant community. You yes. know, those who have who have had the ability to come here yeah. will send money back to their family at home. I, I know mm-hmm. you know my family does that for sure. Yeah. Um. So then you'd have to, to keep mm-hmm. it equal, keep the playing field equal. You'd have to do that to everyone. So like, would you yeah. be supportive of doing that across the board? Uh, across the board. Uh. Yeah. Like okay. taxing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But then. if you threaten to like, because we know like there, every year we have, uh, about half the illegal immigrants that come into the country are directly from Mexico. Mm-hmm. The other half are people who overstay the visas from various parts of the right, world. Right. So if we know that there are this many people from Mexico coming here illegally and then wiring that money straight back to Mexico out of our economy, mm-hmm. like we could threaten that to Mexico and, you know. They, At that point they would rather have the money inflow than Exactly, then like they'd rather pay once to mm-hmm. like help secure a border between both nations. It's like a, more like threat. a one time fee type thing versus a long term economic uh, like downfall like yeah, economic yeah. loss okay yeah all right that makes sense okay uh, plus so, like a physical border is kind of better than what we have now like well, there are parts of the border that are like broken fences wide and, like, open exactly wide yeah. open too yeah so another thing with the wall is that <clears throat> with its its capabilities at yeah. you know keeping uh, illegal immigrants out mm. how you know capable would it be because I've, mm. I've i've watched a and uh, people are probably gonna, you know, shit on me when I say this. I've, I've watched it, you know, a couple of John Oliver videos. Obviously, okay. it's not like the best resource, but it's, it's okay. Yeah, but um, you know, he he I love disc- Stephen, I, you know, I love Stephen Colbert, Colbert too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they, you know, they say something. They talk about things that you wouldn't really think about. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, but uh, this is a while ago, and he's talking about, you know, uh, the feasibility of mm-hmm. having illegal immigrants still getting over the wall and yeah. still, you know, coming to the U.S. Uh, yeah. 
and how, do you think that the wall would be capable of you know st- like the the price of having that wall would it be capable mm-hmm. of stopping enough of an inflow? Yeah, I think it would. There's never going to be a one hundred percent solution, mm-hmm. but if you if you have a wall there now, it would one hundred percent slow down people. You know, right. it wouldn't. It would deter people. It would like keep out like what. It would keep out the people that would normally come in when there is no border, mm-hmm. and I think that's very crucial. Like not, not like not because I'm trying to be like a bigot saying like keep people out. No, I no, say one hundred percent. If you come to the country, the legal method like that's fine. Go for it. Yeah. Like it took my aunt and uncle like eight and ten years respectively. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, same thing with my family. My mom, you know, yeah. came here. She she applied for all of her siblings. Yeah, and they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it took a long time. It took forever. I think. And I think that's unfair, you know, it's unfair to us when we're waiting and people like, people are going to hate on me for the thing is, but people have like the privilege to walk over a broken fence. Like, it's unfortunate. I understand where you're coming from. People are going to, people on the internet and anyone will take that, take that section and say, oh, you're saying you have a privilege. (laughs) Buzzfeed prevents. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand what you're saying is that, you know, they have, uh, they kind of get to skip all of, all of the uh, requisites and all of the problems and issues and paperwork that you need have to, to actually gotten here legally. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. And like, I mean, in my neighborhood, like Brentwood, the reason there is so much gang violence, like a lot of the people who are there illegally are from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And that's where MS-13 comes from. It originates from El Salvadorian illegal immigrants. Okay. So just to put into like the context of numbers, like illegal immigration, like people are going to say like, oh, it helps our country and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But realistically, it costs our country over $20 billion a year. Illegal immigration? Yeah, okay. because uh, if you look at it, look at it from like a economic standpoint where if you have someone here illegally, in any sort of public school when you go there, how much do you think it costs for a student to attend a public school? A lot more than you'd think. Yeah. 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 Like people think like, oh, private school is like $20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Well, for a public school, it costs like in Brentwood, the cost per pupil, like the cost per student, per student. was about $8,000 per yeah, kid. Yeah, it's understandable. I mean... Uh, right now, I'm, year, I'm, I'm in New Hyde Park right now, yeah. and um, I was just talking to a friend about this actually recently, yeah. is that my parents are, I mean, some of the, the financial troubles they're having right now is because of the, the taxes in Nassau County. I think... It's through the roof. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's like twelve <laughs> to 15000 a year. To live in like like a small house, like... Yeah, it yeah. Doesn't, it, it, it's not like you're living on like 30 acres of the property. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, a suburban house. Yeah, like, you get a... Taxes you know, are nuts. You get a couple rooms and, you know, n- you know nice little living area, but nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy, you know? Yeah. And, um... And I think about it now because, you know, coming from Queens originally, knowing the difference in the tax bracket yeah. and seeing the difference in the resources that are presented to us, yeah. it's a like, astonishing difference. And yeah. it makes sense. We're paying for these resources. So yeah. when you have someone here that, you know, they came here illegally, they're you know, not paying their taxes or whatever it may be, they're kind of leeching onto these resources and uh, taking Yeah, them. exactly. Like the resources that would normally be allocated to the school making it better is mm-hmm. like being taken to like, I right. mean, to educate them, which is good, but like... At the end of the day, like everyone suffers mm-hmm. when there's less resources available. And you actually you brought this up earlier. Is uh, uh your school? Your, I think it was middle school. Yeah. Had that problem where AP middle and or, middle and high school. And high school. Okay. Yeah. Like did you go to a public high school in that area? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So like you're talking about like buses. Dude, having... my graduating class was 1,100 kids. <laughs> oh man. And my high school was only 10 to 12, and it had four thousand like over 4,000 students. Oh. So how how densely populated was your area? Was about really... 60,000 people live in Brentwood. Okay. Yes. And it's, it's a small place. Like, yeah, if you look yeah. at our map, it's a small place, but mm-hmm. like, it's like a small there, town. Yeah, yeah. There's there are houses that have like seven, eight like people living like like four or five families living in like the same yeah. house. Like, yeah. Okay. That goes, makes uh, that makes a lot to, of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they pay. You know, that's how people pay yeah. the taxes off. Okay. So uh, next thing would be going into. Yeah. Uh, I want to say um, crap. What was I going to say? Uh, the Trump thing. Yeah, yeah. That? Going into to Trump air policies yeah. on. Uh, so we talked about the wall, but I want to talk about uh, immigration through uh, DACA, which which is a problem right now mm-hmm. uh, for people who don't know yeah. or uh, people who you know just don't remember what the acronym is. I actually wrote it down. It's uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, mm-hmm. and uh, that's actually an issue that's ongoing as of right now. Yeah. Uh, I think they haven't extended <clears> it <throat> as of yet. Oh, just water right there if you want. That's oh, why. cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have let you know earlier. Uh, get parched eventually. But um, uh, I think right now <clears throat> they're... Um, they're still in the process of trying to find a bipartisan agreement on extending DACA. Mm-hmm. And um, so I wanted to know what your thoughts on that were, because I think, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot how many years, but uh, yeah. Trump is the first person to not extend DACA in yeah. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to know, can you get your thoughts <clears throat> on that? Personally for DACA, like these are children who came in 
legally too, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't by choice. It was by right. you know their parents' choice. Their parents. But I mean, if I'm going to be a hardline on something, I I should like if I want to be consistent, I have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. It's not that I have to be, but like to me, it's important that we don't dis- we still don't discriminate against the people who are trying to come here legally. Right. So I mean, we it, it would be wrong to like deport people who are here when they were one years old and this is the only country they knew this is the only mm-hmm. language they know so the way I would go about it and the way I view it I think Trump was wrong on that and many conservatives thought he was wrong on that too I follow like more of Ted Cruz and Rand Paul's like um, plan on that mm-hmm. it was to I guess there, there's a couple solutions and one of them that makes the most sense to me is to like not integrate them into the country like immediately but to give those who are here illegally a chance to integrate into society, become legal citizens, so that... You so know, they're the kind t- of contributing members of society instead it, of just being here. Exactly. Okay. I mean, the figure people like to bring up is they contribute with taxes, but, you know, that's a voluntary thing where... Exactly. It's debatable because voluntarily people will get an INS number mm-hmm. or voluntarily, involuntarily people will pay sales tax. Mm-hmm. On like and on top of that, I mean, yeah. given the fact that a large majority of these people are illegal immigrants, you're mm-hmm. not going to have a lot of the data presented to you. Exactly. 100%. So essentially give those people in in segments, like don't give like all like, you know, 5 million or mm-hmm. 3 million, the estimate people like green cards immediately, but give people in staggered amounts work visas where if they're on a work visa for five to seven years, mm-hmm. then they slowly... Like, they're still in America. They're in the process of becoming a so citizen. They're kind of like getting vetted into the system. Exactly. Right. And they're not being deported I mean, outright. I think that's the, that's the same thing for uh, if you if you immigrate here legally, because I know mm-hmm. uh, all of the family members that I've had who have come here legally, yeah. uh, they've had to take their you know their citizenship tests and, mm-hmm. and all those things. Yeah. Um, so something along those lines where you know, you're kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, Proving your patriotism yeah. in, in a sense, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I think right now is is a big time <clears throat> in America where it's such a culturally diverse country yeah. that we're losing a, a sense of patriotism, yeah, in, in a sense, I mean, in a large amount of the populations, not not I, like I, a broad I think scale. It, I think it isn't because of the multiculturalism. I think it's more because the idea of the melting pot is disappearing. It's mm-hmm. now becoming more of the salad bowl, which so I found that. So what do you mean? yeah, I I didn't know this until a couple of weeks. Ago. <laughs> like I've never, I've never I, I didn't know until okay. I became an RA either. <laughs> I always thought it was a bad term. Salad bowl means you keep your cultural identity mm-hmm. and you keep like your language and traditions and things, which is you know what very welcome. Everyone should and can if if possible. Mm-hmm. But they keep to themselves with their culture and traditions. But because they're all in the same bowl, like someone's a tomato, someone's a lettuce, they all make up like one salad. Okay. But in the melting pot, if like it mixes. All, everything ah, mixes together. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So sense. the idea of the salad bowl is being pushed more and more, it seems, mm-hmm. especially on like college campuses. Where... I 100% agree with that. That's actually a really good. <laughs> that's a really good. I don't. I don't know why I never thought about that before. Yeah. But that makes sense. You're putting a bunch of things together, but they're separate. Ah, yeah. Like <laughs> but um, yeah, essentially that that's the idea that's being pushed. Up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even in the past, you know, we had Polish, Jewish, like various like. Russian immigrants who culturally were different from uh, the American values at the time, but it melted together. Right. It made like that that sense of integration, yeah. and uh, I think mm-hmm. that makes sense if you have a more extenuated process of making sure that these people, you know, uh, and I say these people, I feel like someone's gonna yell at me, but you no, know, who, those who are here illegally, illegally, yeah. yeah. Um, if you have that process, then yeah. they're gonna be more inclined to care about what's going on and yeah. know, take a role in the society that they're within now. Exactly. Okay. It's a very, so, very good argument. The I haven't like looked into like I mean that is I believe one solution and those who are here, I guess um, who overstay their visas you can e-verify them, mm-hmm. which I think is one good way to like you know keep track of who's here and who should be here when. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did you uh, e-verify? Did you e-verify? Yeah. What is it? It's, it just sounds like electronic verify. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that all? Really <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> just making sure. Okay. Um. <clears throat> But some other proposals that are out there, this is the one Rand Paul proposed in uh, against Trump's one, where we have 1.2 um, immigrants coming to this country every year. Cut that number to 100 uh, to 1 million people a year, mm-hmm. and those 200,000, give 200,000 people who are here illegally a work visa. So the number okay. of immigrants coming to the country is the same, but you stagger it. So okay. for like five to ten years, make it so only one million people can mm-hmm. come, and then two hundred thousand people who are here are internally being immigrated to America. Right, right. 
that is a more logical system. I think you yeah. can't you can't have a very strict cutoff because mm-hmm. it's just it's not gonna work. Yeah, you need to wean the system off, and you know the way things are going right now, you can't just shift <clears throat> immediately. That's not how yeah. Yeah. you know a system's going to work. It's got complex and you know macroeconomic scale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, last thing is just um, Trump's tax policies. Yeah, which uh, I think. Recently, when I think it was in February that mm-hmm. it's going to, for this fiscal year is going to be in place. Yeah. But um, I personally am a very big advocate of the corporate tax cuts, mm-hmm. of the change in uh, uh overall tax uh, policy for yeah. families. I think uh, having um, what's it called? Uh, uh, one-time deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, it makes it easier for a lot of families for yeah. a lot of people. Oh, and for sure. Generally speaking, <clears throat> I mean, I just did. Uh, I was actually going through tax files with my parents recently. Mm-hmm. Um. Taxes are goddamn complicated, and I think oh, having, yeah, they're awful. Have, it's so bad. Like I was looking at what the the accountant <laughs> was doing. Taxation is stuffed, man. And and I was looking through it. and I was like, how do you like? There's like five that like twenty different papers of just like things, and I'm just like, this is overwhelming. Yeah. If you didn't know about these deductions, like you, you know, wouldn't you be wouldn't able to take do advantage it. of it. Yeah, you wouldn't like, take advantage like, of it. So it yeah. it um is skewed towards those who are educated enough to be able to you know take that uh, decision into account. Yeah. So I'm I'm all for. Uh, his uh, tax policies, yeah, making yeah. it simpler. Yeah, uh, and the corporate tax cut, in my opinion, is huge, going from thirty five percent to I think twenty four percent. I think it's eleven percent decrease. Yeah, I think having a thirty five percent tax on companies it, it hinders business. Yeah. I believe one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And we've already seen companies and a, a lot of companies <clears throat> are starting to take action because of that. Yeah. I know a lot of companies have given I think a thousand dollar raises to all yeah. its employees across the board. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. First of all, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and that's a, a lot of a lot of big companies. I know Bank yeah. of America, AT and T, Walmart, think. I believe. Yeah, yeah. So that's big. And then there's also a lot of companies that are uh, in the process of bringing, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, buildings or, or infrastructure back mm-hmm. to the U.S. Yeah. So you're already seeing some of the changes coming about. Yeah. And uh, so I'm a huge advocate. So I, I, I think your it's, thoughts on that. I think it's very, you know, good, especially if you own a small business. Like these corporate tax cuts and like, you know, tax cuts for businesses, they're not just for the billionaire, multi-billion industries. It's also for... It's also for small businesses, you know. Right. <clears throat> so if you're a small business owner and you see that, oh, at the end of the year, I'm getting two thousand dollars more than I could have, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of families, like that is a, a lot, lot of money. That, is a lot that, of money, that yeah. can go towards a lot a of lot different of things. things. I mean, that's a semester's of tuition for me, and I mean, yeah. after after everything, and just sometimes my parents, you know, had a little difficulty doing that. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, it makes a difference to a lot of families, and especially yeah. those who, are, who have small businesses. Yeah. Right. No, I understand that too. Like I, I have I have FAFSA and TAP. Like mm-hmm. you know, economic difficulties. Like it, like those two thousand dollars. It's a big thing for right for various families, especially for the middle class. Too middle, a lot of people are against it because they see that the rich, the richest bracket, they're getting uh, their tax cut from thirty five to thirty three percent, which is small, but you know it adds up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the middle class is seeing a tax cut too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that people also focus on like middle America. Just and, like, overall, what's going on? I think yeah. people want to look at what's at someone else's plate before they you know look at what's going on yeah. there. And I think a big part of that is, I mean, if you take into consideration that someone who's making a lot of money mm-hmm. has worked to make that money, yeah. has you know got there on their own, yeah, whatever whatever means it, it may have been, like they've they've earned the money that they're yeah. making. Most of the when, top bracket are composed of like professionals, yeah. like engineers, doctors, yeah. and lawyers. Who've I mean, worked to get there. The top point zero zero one. that's where, where you start mm-hmm. seeing like, you know, the, your Bill Gates and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. But, so when yeah. you, you know, look at these people, you think, oh, like they already have so much money, why don't you take yeah. more? If you start taking more and more money away from all these people, they're you're going to leave. Yeah. You, one, <laughs> they're they're, leave. First option, they're going to leave. They're just like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm gone. Yeah. Second option, you start hindering their desire to produce. Because mm-hmm. once they have, it's diminishing returns. Once they start saying, if I start making this much income, I go bump up my tax bracket, yeah. then I lose more money than I would have made if I just stayed yeah. here. So why would I produce more? It also, it also hinders like the trust they have in the government mm-hmm. because that's when that's when you start seeing people start taking their money and hiding it in offshore accounts. Right. Like I don't want this money to be taxed to nothing. I'll mm-hmm. keep it in this country, or on instead of a, investing in like a real estate property or cars and stuff like that in America I'm going to go buy stuff in like China and India and stuff like mm-hmm. that so yeah like it, it really does like give a psychological effect as well, uh, to the people in the you know richer brackets right too. right yeah I think that has covered almost all the questions that I had for you cool uh, yeah I think that covers everything I think that the, yeah. the, I said I think a lot in this but. I mean the for that Trump article by the mm-hmm. way like 
the reason that was written was pure luck. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, for that article, it was uh, about me and 10 other students that mm-hmm. were at the event when Trump came to Brentwood. It was for uh, CPAC, right? It wasn't for CPAC. It wasn't? Okay, so what, when what Trump, Trump came to Brentwood to address like the MS-13 gang violence, the okay. event was originally open to the public. Okay. Then they closed it to the public and made it police only. Mm-hmm. But me and like 10 other students were still able to get in mm-hmm. because I'm the Long Island chairman of like the college Republicans like in the region. Yeah. So the chairman of like the Republican Party said like, oh, if you have college Republicans who would like to go there, volunteer and see Trump, you have 10 tickets. Allocate them as you will. So because I was a chairman, I got to pick nine other students who would come with me. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a news reporter was like, huh, you know, everyone here is, like, it wasn't just officers. It was, like, majors and, like, mm-hmm. people who had, like... Really... I'm assuming you just stood out in the crowd. Yeah, like, like <laughs> everyone was, like, a, like a 35, 40-year-old, like, 50-year-old, like, major, cool, yeah, cool yeah. or whatever. And then they see, like, 10, like, little, you know, teenagers in yeah, the kids. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what are these like, kids Like, waving, like, a flag and stuff like that. Like, who, who are these kids? I'm like, why are they, like, walking in and out of the event like they, like... They own the place. Yeah, like, I think that. I mean, that's the most. Badass. That's the most important thing and reason why I wanted to have you on. And yeah. it's, a, it's a good point that you, you bring this up. Yeah. Is that when people think Republican, yeah. they think old white male conservative. Yeah. Like off the bat, like that is their thought process. That mm-hmm. is the train of thought that they go through. Yeah. That's wrong. You know, no, like you're I the complete opposite of that. <laughs> you're literally the, every in every way. You're the complete opposite of that. But there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think everyone should have their viewpoints and yeah. be able to uh, exercise them. Yeah, and I think it's good that the GOP is now making like I guess a Trump might hinder some of that. Like, I mean, just to be blunt, like nothing gets like the president, but like mm-hmm. some of his statements are seen as very inflammatory mm-hmm. and divisive. But like the party in general is becoming like I guess more like. They're seeing the issues that they uh, have in terms of uh, in terms of like inclusive in being inclusive. Inclusive, yeah. And they're making you know efforts to like be more inclusive. So you, right. you see that reflected too. Like, interestingly, because like so many Muslims in America do like have small businesses and stuff like that, Trump did appeal to many Muslims. Just to throw out some statistics, only forty percent uh, of like Muslims, like after eighty percent, mm-hmm. seventy to eighty percent, voted for Bush Jr. In 2000, only 30 to 40% voted for him in 2004. Okay, so in 2000, okay. wow, that is a staggering difference. If, if you look up, statistics. there are articles that show, like, just the radical shift in, like, mm-hmm. um, Dude, I mean, that, this is news to me. I didn't yeah. know that the Bengali community was this... Um, I mean, the Muslim community in general, because Muslims aren't also, like, one block, because, you know, they're African-American Muslims, yeah, yeah, South Asian yeah. Muslims. So we were a very heavily contended voting block in mm-hmm. 1996 and 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2008 for Obama about like about like four or five percent voted for um, McCain Mm -hmm. in 2012 only like three percent of Muslims voted for Mitt Romney but then in 2016 for Trump 13 percent of Muslims voted for Trump that's the first uptick yeah that's the first exactly that's after him making statements like you know Muslim ban and stuff Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. Which so. says a lot. Okay, wait. That, I also want to get into that. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. Is that uh, I almost forgot? Is um. I was surprised it wasn't brought up. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely forgot. I should have written that down. I just didn't. Yeah, um, when it comes to the the Muslim ban, yeah. so my issue with that was the fact that a lot of the countries that were put on the list of yeah. banned countries yeah. were not countries that ter- known terrorist uh, yeah. affiliations have been from. Mm-hmm. So I'm confused as to why there's I mean, support for that. The list of countries that was included that that you know that was presented to us by Trump, it was the same list of countries that Obama had deemed to be high risk countries. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying just because he did it, it's right that mm-hmm. Trump is doing it, but like the logic behind it wasn't it wasn't that like terrorists are coming from those countries here. It's just they have a lot of internal terrorism in their country. Okay, so, so like it, overall, uh, just kind of hindrance of the capability in general exactly. from that region not yeah. not those countries in specific but the region yeah okay i mean those countries too like there are a lot of like terrorist cells in like you know mm-hmm. like uh yemen and stuff mm-hmm. like that but i mean my issue was with that if you're going to implement some sort of ban like the logic should be there right. i mean why would saudi saudi arabia where like 14 of the 19 hijackers came from why are they not on the list mm-hmm. why aren't yes yeah, like that, that was why isn't like wahhabism being targeted from the country that is, like, spreading Wahhabism, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, realistically, like, there can be no, like, sort of religious ban because mm-hmm. I can walk down the street to a church and say, voila, yeah. I'm a Christian. <laughs> but, like, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like uh, because you can't identify someone as a religion you yeah know? exactly it's difficult to do because that's a belief that's if, not a, a if they a, want to limit immigrants from like xyz countries like sure like let's talk about that but um there can't be inconsistencies in the way you uh describe the, or implement the system exactly so just because Saudi Arabia has a lot of oil money doesn't mean, you know, we should give them yeah. a free pass, right, even right. though they're getting one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right, I'm very I'm generally happy. against the Muslim ban in its original context. I mean, just because it, it blocks off an entire community. It, it blocks off a religious group that realistically can't be blocked off. Right. Um, because then you would have to ban not just the Muslims, but Christians and Jews from that country mm-hmm. who are also escaping persecution, right. just like the Muslims who are mm-hmm. facing terrorism. Right. I think there's a lot more complexities to all of these issues mm-hmm. than people that, that people just don't take into account. Yeah. I think it's not as simple. It's not black and white. It's never black and white. Yeah. And I think that is one of the main issues that causes uh, a kind of uh, inability to make the proper decisions and to kind of identify yeah. as one or the other before coming to an, an educated yeah. uh, decision. Yeah. So I'm very happy to have had you on because. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Uh, I always you. like conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, thank you. Because we go into depth on like all, all of the fiscal, <laughs> we went into depth on the fiscal uh, reasons behind your choices mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, and I think a lot of people will take, um, kind of they'll t- get a lot of information from this that mm-hmm. will go to show, uh, you know, it's not one or the, the other. It's actually oh. it's right there. Yeah. Oh, cool. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, peace out. Bye.